0: The Dot Connectors brought to you by Omnia Global. Welcome back everybody for another episode with yours truly. And this week's is with a fascinating lady, a lady who exists in the world that I work in, which is all things creative. Uh, But it's not just a good old discussion between us two. It's, It's an episode that will be very, very useful if you're an entrepreneur, founder, looking to scale your business, obtain some PR. Perhaps you're thinking, oh my goodness, how do I do this? I need a huge budget. I need to be really vocal and out there in the press. And this episode will perhaps quash a lot of those assumptions and the individual that I get to interview, Brigitte Carps from Renter PR, is completely disrupting the PR market. It's a much need a business that moves us away from a retainer model into pr that works you pay for what you use it is a really insightful discussion we talk about the ipo process what do you do thereafter we talk about social media which is both the hero and the villain Uh, and we really just work out what is it that if you are a business owner what are the essential things that you should be doing when it comes to your pr so sit back Enjoy and remember to review and subscribe. Brigitte, welcome. How are you today?
1: fine thank you nice to meet you again
0: yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to this one i feel like we've got this synergy given we're both from similar worlds and uh we're going to kind of not quite thrash it out but talk about you know obviously the business but but that creative world particularly in in relation to entrepreneurs looking forward to it good <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners i always ask the same thing but where are you located right now Where where are you based
1: I'm based in Switzerland, but in Zurich and in Verbier, so in the German and in the French-speaking part
0: of Switzerland. Oh, wow. I'm guessing that you might be a skier, potentially? Yes. 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 (laughs) I'll keep you in my address book, Brigitte. I've just come back from skiing and I loved it. I was like, oh, who do I know with with a house? Don't don't worry, I won't. I promise I won't. But Yeah. (laughs) brilliant well look let's um let's get going but again for the benefit of our listeners just to kind of set the scene um tell me a little bit more about you and your background leading up to the present day
1: Okay, yes. Um, I'm a, I am started my career as a professional banker in investment banking and went through all the different, um, let's say, departments or sectors of banking, like private banking, consumer finance, retail banking, cards business. In, I held um, international leadership roles in big corporates like AMRO, Royal, Royal Bank of Scotland, GE uh, Capital. And um, I decided to leave banking um, a few years ago because I had a business idea in my mind, um, where with which I wanted to disrupt the public relations world. Um, I was, uh, to give a better understanding about that, um, I was a head of communications and PR in my latest role in the managing board of of um, of uh, GE. Um, Uh, subsidiary here in switzerland so my background is as well beside banking uh, corporate communications
0: wow and and what made you as an investor i mean what what was the world of investment banking like firstly and what made you switch then into corporate communications because that's quite a change isn't it
1: I mean, it was exciting. Uh, I I loved investment banking, especially M&A. But I I mean, there was the big uh, financial crisis um, and uh, there was as well a big the first disruption in banking. And, uh, you know, I decided um, I didn't want to do always the same thing in my life. And Mm -hmm. uh, I started I started communication. And uh, I, I think communication plays an important role. Um, in all businesses, not only in banking, uh, in our daily mm-hmm. lives. So I wanted to take um, a deeper step uh, into this um, uh, sector.
0: Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? I think it's good communication in every walk of life, personally, professionally, businesses, is the epicentre you could argue that if you don't get that right then you can have the most wonderful role in the world but actually are you you know delivering the, the most that you can and in the right way so I think it's a for me it's a switch that makes sense and also you know if you're creative if you are a creative person at heart I think it allows you to kind of connect work with creativity which was what I personally found I could have gone down one path and went no I need a bit more life a bit more spirit a bit more personality in the in the mix and to dare I say a little bit more freedom as well and I think that creative spin for me for me worked well and and, and as I mentioned obviously we're both sort of creative so I've sat in in-house like you commandeered a few marketing budgets probably not the best marketing budget shall we say but you know they've they've been okay and um so I know the world in which your current business rent PR sits in which as a name is pretty self-explanatory which I I personally love um but to help further set the scene, what, what is it that Rent-a-PR does and aims to address in the world of press, media, PR, as as many people know it to be called?
1: I mean, when I launched rent to pr it's like uh, I got different reactions because um, renting a PR service, uh, do you really want to do that? I was asked <laughs> by a lot of PR professionals. Because my background, given my background, I worked with a lot of PR agencies and uh, I know how it is working with PR agencies and there was always at the end of the year um, a big surprise um, uh, mm. cost-wise and as well I didn't understand sometimes what they were doing. I don't <laughs> want to be too negative about that but that was only my experience. And stepping out of banking and I, worked, I started working with a lot of startups and, and fintechs and crypto focusing companies and I, I learned that they were facing a huge challenge. They needed PR, uh, they needed to get uh, the attention of the publicity, they didn't have the background um, of doing PR, working with media, they didn't have the network and most important, they didn't have the budget. Hmm. So um, it's always good when you become an entrepreneur and you are an entrepreneur as well. If you start your own business, you need to find something which makes people's life easier. And I thought with um, founding, rent a PR. So you rent the service, the PR and communication service, whenever you need it or for whatever you need it. This could be the disruption of the, let's say... PR, business world.
0: I, I totally agree. I, I think it's, um. if you look at all other aspects of creativity and comms, you know, social media people can, can consult, marketing people can consult, business development people can consult, and PR was sort of like, oh, no, you can't touch that. And I think, as you mentioned, it was this fear of, well, how are we going to justify these rather large retainers if something different comes in and people go, oh, because there is... I think there's a bit of confusion around PR and like what it's supposed to do. Would you would you concur with that? I guess looking back over the course of your career and, and sitting there, as you say, getting these unexpected bills, going, "Well, I best pay it," but I'm not quite sure why I'm paying it. If you if you like.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there is a very, um, yeah, I heard a lot of negative things about PR. Everybody needs PR, but nobody wants to pay for it and pay like this retainer stuff. I mean, I'm not talking about listed companies. If you are a big, big corporate, that's a different world. But uh, look, um, there was as well a disruption of the whole working um, sphere. I mean, a lot of self-employed people, it's increasing uh, the numbers of uh, startups, founders are increasing. Yes, I know more than 70% fail in the first uh, two years, but on the other side, there's a lot of change ongoing and everybody needs kind of publicity and needs to stand out of um, the crowd. And Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my idea was I need to find or establish a business model which is affordable for not only for startup as, as well for, for other companies like family-owned businesses who don't have a corporate communication department, but as well who need to adjust to the requirements of communications in the 21st century. I mean, you cannot... Send only a newsletter anymore or if you want to maintain or strengthen your brand, there are much more things to do. And that's that was the idea behind. And I mean to summarize, for me it's important to change the 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 talks, the, the, the negative talks about public relations. Um there, there there is a chance um, that that people will change their mindset and I try to do my best with it.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think you're already you're already getting there and actually looking at it from the perspective of the, I guess the employee model and hybrid working, I think actually it's it's the right business at the right time because actually when you look at your array of journalists who who are in, in your team who speak an array of languages which for the benefit of our listeners, typically you will have a head of PR head of communications and if you're lucky they may speak more than one language and and then you know you go well actually we're a global business we need to translate that into Mandarin we need to translate that into whatever language and you go oh actually well who who does that and actually your employee model I think plays well into the landscape where people go I don't want to sit at a desk nine to five, five days a week. And actually, I want to be located in this other part of the world, but also work with clients, English speaking clients. Great. You know, your your model allows for that, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. That was my idea. I mean, if you found and launch a company, there's always the risk that you fail at the especially at the very beginning. And I didn't want to pay salaries or I, I, I mean, I didn't know if the business model would work. So that's why I decided, okay, I will not really have an office. I will work on remote. And the funny thing was when their COVID, COVID was not funny, but COVID and the whole lockdown situation came up. I said, welcome to my world. I work like this (laughs) in years. I work with freelancers around the globe who have different different." Um, uh, backgrounds they are former journalists they are former communication people they have different language skills so it's exciting and I can work with them and and use their know-how I mean I personally I don't have know-how in science great then I connect with these freelancers and um offer them a job to 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 work uh with with rented pr it's it's well exciting for them and um so yeah. it, it it was a very yeah it, it, it was the right model at the right moment probably yes
0: no no i agree i think that's happened for many people where we're all sort of working from home we were like oh we were we were doing it already um your background, obviously, we, we mentioned it at the beginning, but it is fairly unique in that you've sat on the side of the client uh, and within one of the industries that rent pr now works in. What would you say that you, over the course of your career, having worked in-house and now obviously, you know, running a consulting business, what have you learned about um, the art of communication as a business?
1: I mean, you can, there is this famous quote and I, uh, you cannot not communicate. Communication mm-hmm. is everything, but you need to understand, first of all, if you start communication to different stakeholders and different channels, and um, you need to know your audience. That's the most important thing. And you need to understand the power, especially when you are a founder, the power of your role as a communicator. If you have effective communication skills, it can become a huge benefit to establish the brand of your company, to maintain the brand, to maintain the reputation, even when it comes to to a crisis. Because if you are able to tell the outside world, inside and outside world, what your company is about, what your company stands for, what are your ethical uh, things, how is your ethical behavior. I mean, this builds up trust. And Mm -hmm. if people trust in your brand and then they believe what you do, if you are authentic in your communication, even a crisis cannot disrupt your company. Yeah, think definitely. about Volkswagen. Volkswagen had a huge problem with the cars, but a lot of people trusted in the brand. Or mm. think about, other. I mean, I could uh, line up a lot of other companies. Uh, um, so it's all about brand management. PR can, or PR manages brand if it's done in the right way.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I guess what what's you know, the elephant in the room, are there situations where you say to businesses, don't, don't spend on PR, you're not ready for it? And, and what, what, what is it that they need to do before they come knocking at your door?
1: I mean, they, they need to have to know their story. A lot of businesses, especially founders or, or startups, um, they mix up our marketing and PR, Yes. So marketing is, and I don't have to tell you, you are a specialist in marketing. Marketing is focused on driving sales and doing so by promoting products, services, or ideas of a company. And public relations is more focused on the maintenance of a positive reputation of a company, of a brand, or of a person, the CEO. So... It all has to work together, the messaging has to be consistent, aligned, but there is a huge difference. Mm. The, 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 the PRs is the story behind the product, not the selling of the product. And this is with what is very often uh, mixed up. And um, so that's what entrepreneurs and founders need to understand when they want to do PR.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not
1: talking about advertorials. When you pay for it, that journalists write about you.
0: Yes, and I was going to say, is it worth, and, you know, listeners, you may well be well-versed in this, but just explaining the difference, because everybody, again, gets a bit confused around advertorial and editorial, just so listeners understand what you mean by that, that paid-for piece.
1: I mean... Let's face it, I'm advertorials um, help to sell your product, especially if you just launch your company, nobody knows your company, nobody really knows yet your your, your product. So, you need to do some advertorials or as well do some online marketing campaigns, which is important. And there, you have the, the, the 100% influence of. Telling of, of, of the publication of your story. You can even write it, and they only do a kind of correction of wording, but you have 100% influence about it. But it is marked as advertorial. This is the advantage of advertorials. Um, the, the advantage of unpaid media is if a journalist is really interested in your story, in your product, in, in yourself as a as an entrepreneur or a founder and he is writing about it, so your audience is receiving it in a a different way because they see, oh, this media channel is interested to write about this company. So, reputation and image-wise is always better that a journalist is saying, wow, we are interested to write about it. there is a big but. You don't have influence on what he is writing about it. It's very important that you do a very good briefing. And if you have a lot of luck, he is he or she is, selling you, uh, is sending you the, the quotes for a sign-off. But as well, a lot of journalists, for example, in the UK, even don't do it. In Switzerland, they, they do it. Maybe they're a little bit...
0: Classier, shall we say.
1: But (laughs) but that's it. But I still, I'm a big fan of unpaid media, which means if there is a great story to tell, journalists will write about it. They will run after you.
0: No, I agree. And, and that is the the role of, if anybody's thinking, well, so I don't get it, you know, do, do the PR people write it and that's it? You know, a good PR person holds those relationships with the journalist. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not a given that that journal will pick up with that piece and run with it, but they will trust that PR person and say, do you know what? You understand me. You've, you've invested in this relationship with me. So you know what floats my boat. You know what I'm focused on. So do you know what? Nine times out of 10, I'll pick it up or do you know what? I'll come back to you with an opportunity to contribute to an article that I'm writing to and that for me you know I say anyone can write a press release they can't but you know you could flip that to a marketing person as I, I pick those up for companies but actually the bit that I can't do and I wouldn't do is that relationship building that even I don't care whether you're the CEO of an amazing business yes you have journalists wanting to write about you but again as you mentioned the risk is they might sway it to the point where you go that's not me saying that that's a little bit salacious again the PR will go don't don't go there because you'll kill that relationship with that business and therefore when you are looking for that quote because something's gone on in the media like an MA transaction they're not going to speak to you so if I would I have I guess if I capsulated that correctly that's the essence of a PR person absolutely
1: and uh, I have to smile because that's why I love my job in this in, in my business model, because if you, for example, if if I'm paid with a monthly retainer, it's nice to have for me, for my company, but I have to deliver, which means I have to deliver stories, I have to deliver or we have to deliver press clippings every month because there is still this old thinking in the mindset of CEOs and of uh, a corporate communication, head, a head of corporate communication, You have to deliver us articles because they count the articles. So what does that mean for my relationship with the journalists? I have to knock at their door and say, oh, can you maybe do a a home story with our CEO um, while he's cooking for his family, showing that he's a social family guy? I don't, I mean... I don't like that. I Journalists and the journalists I'm working with, and that's, oh my God, that's almost uh, 18 years um, now. If I contact them, I personally think it's a good story. And it's not always crystal clear or it's not always confirmed that they will take it up. But they know I only contact them if I really think it's a good story. And even if they say, "Okay, it's not the right time or I'm interested, but not at the moment, I have to accept it. And I cannot Mm. push back and can't you? And because it's all about relationship management. And this is even more important for a PR person. If you have good relationships or fair relationships with Mm. journalists, Um, it's not the big love of your life. But it's a fair relationship, like with business partners, like with clients. And that's the most important thing of doing a professional PR job. Mm.
0: I, I think you could probably liken a good good PR to a good therapist to some extent, although they don't sit there and listen to your problems. But they, they can open doors and enable things and change perspective and build your brand. I mean, it's transformational, you could argue. But it is, as I say, relationship management at the core of it. Now, we, we didn't touch on this. Um, you yourself have been an entrepreneur, which obviously we had a, had a chat previously. Um, so you, again, from another perspective, you've sat at the helm of a business that has has been your own. Um, but you've also, um, with clients, led a number of businesses through the IPO process, which obviously some of our listeners may be facing, may have gone through, maybe looking at their next IPO. Um Obviously, there's lots of activity leading up to an IPO, fairly prescribed in terms of what you do, when you do it and so forth. But I think once it's happened, and obviously everybody's really, really excited, you have what I call the sort of the the, the boxing day or the post-Christmas day effect where the excitement starts to weigh in, oh, what do we do next? And, and, And so I wanted to ask you, day two, after a listing, what should the focus be when it comes to communication as a business?
1: I mean, an IPO is a game-changer for each company. Um, The company is now public, it accounts book and reputation open, and every investor, government, official, the stock exchange, journalists, can have a look into it. I mean, the real work already starts before an IPO, that you build up a brand, but that's not always possible, It's now important after a period, the so-called silence period after the listing, that you start creating the company story. And it should be a compelling ethical growth story. I think that can be very effective. And I mean, it's very important to take into consideration that investors look up to when and what you are creating, how you are creating your brand story and that you ensure that your company not only delivers it but also uh, builds a brand around it. So that's for me the most important thing to do after an IPO. You have to uh, continuously you have to tell stories there are ad hoc requirements from a stock exchange. When you have massive changes, you have to report your financials on a quarterly basis. When there is an executive team, um, there are changes in the executive team. When you do acquisitions or whatever, these are a hoc relevant. But there are a lot of other stories to tell. Thought leadership. The CEO, I mean, he's the face, he or she is the face and the voice of a company, she has a lot of opportunities to talk about um, the company, about successes, about leadership. There's so much to tell and there is there are huge opportunities. This is the one thing about the company story and uh, the stories around the company. And you need to be prepared for media attention. That's very important. So there is, from my perspective, a no-go. We don't react on media requests. You have always to answer media requests. You must do that. And it's as well building up the relationships with media. And, I mean, there can be challenging questions, but you have to react to it. And you cannot hide, because if you hide, they will write something else, and this will have immediately a negative impact on your on your
0: share price Mm, mm, absolutely and i think uh, sort of a sub question if if, you know assuming the management team that you've put into place is is comprising a ceo who uh, you know is aware of of the media aspect to to that role i mean if you're Somebody in a C-suite position that deep down is just dreading media interaction. What advice would you give them? Is it the sort of the stock standard media training? Is that still useful? I know we always used to send people off, and and you know they go right. So let's get going. And obviously, you know, it's once if you've got a journo that's there waiting, great, you can put it to use. But but is there a role for media training still, or is it that? Actually, that C suite person at the core, if they are a good storyteller, then actually they can be guided by the PR person.
1: A training of a spokesperson, which is from my perspective, the CEO and the CFO, because the CFO very often has to talk as well to, uh, um, uh, to financial journalists, is a must do mm-hmm. before the listing of a company and as well on a regular basis after the listing. I mean, even I do on a regular basis media training with former journalists. Yes, I do. Wow. It's for me. It's for me. For example, if I have to jump in for a company and uh, I act as a spokesperson, I mean, it's important that you feel confident. The more confident a CEO or a CFO is, the better is the reception by the journalists. And it's a well investment, uh, well uh, in invested money to do from on a regular basis, maybe one time per year, a refresher in media trainings. And that has nothing to do if somebody is a good... There are a lot of CEOs who are great speakers, but it's different yeah. if you stand in front of a camera and maybe there's a yeah. crisis and you are challenged with bad questions. You need to have Mm. your emotions under control, and honestly, these trainings can only, from my experiences, the best trainings are done by former journalists, who really because they know how to to find your trigger points and how to tell you.
0: Yes, it is that weak spot, isn't it? And and you're right. You know, we we obviously are in one respect. We 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 encouraged to portray those emotions for authenticity, which obviously is the buzzword that never seems to go away. But I think when someone's pressing on your weak spot and you think, oh, I can feel something bubbling, you've got to give that considered answer because you say, you know, the next thing, you know, it's it's printed or it's pushed somewhere. And 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 I wanted that's a nice segue actually into. What for some is the devil in disguise, which is social media, because, of course, you know, PR isn't just about lovely broadsheets and magazines. It's about, okay that then often it hits social media actually before it goes anywhere else. Um, And it could, I think, still be described as both the hero and and villain in the world of PR. Obviously, Elon Musk has got his wishes come true with Twitter this morning. Quite what he's going to do with it, nobody knows. I feel like it's just a bit of a trophy uh, in his cabinet, but we will see. What role should play? What what role does, I guess, social media play to raise the profile of entrepreneurs? Do you do you feel?
1: It plays an important role. I can only talk. I mean, I'm as well an entrepreneur. I'm multiple founder. And I used uh, social media during the last uh, few years to build up the company brand. I mean, it if somebody is launching a company, um, they have a, a professional background and everybody has his own brand. But if you want to build up a brand, you can do a lot of professional storytelling. It's always important that you find the right channels. And mm. which brings me back from the very, to the very first comment on what do you know about communication? You need to understand your audience. So, for example, if you talk um, to investors or to, to, to it, for example, if it's a B2B business, you should probably mainly focus on, 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 on channels like LinkedIn or in the German-speaking um, uh, region. It's called Xing, which some people still use. Um, uh, TikTok is playing a huge role, but it's depending on. If your audience is older, let's say like forty plus, probably TikTok is not the right uh, um, channel to use. But I'm a big fan of LinkedIn as well. Twitter, okay, I don't know what Alan is doing now with Twitter, and if. But I'm on linked uh, on Twitter from from the very beginning since more than ten years. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big Twitter fan, especially when it comes to tech. And, and financial um, community, crypto community. There's a lot going on, and it can have a huge impact on building up your company brand. So you need to take a dive into the your audience, and then figure out what would be the best channels. Where are you community? But then use it and do it in a professional way, and do it on a regular basis and then it's easier and you don't have to spend that much money on marketing anymore. Nothing against mm. marketing, but I'm talk- <laughs> we're talking about startups and they all don't have budgets. That's no. why I mentioned this.
0: No, 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 I, I totally agree. And I, I mean, would you say it's it's still true for me personally? I used to find that Twitter, a lot of people shy away from because you know there's a lot of people who've got, um, who suddenly develop a big voice and, and sometimes say things and you think, well, where are you coming from? But I've always found that actually a lot of journos hang out on Twitter and actually it's a great for for me personally. I run a business and um, I tweeted about something and um, BBC Newsnight got in touch and said, can you come on this evening? We want you to be live at 11pm tonight. And I'm going, wow, I'm doing all this activity on Instagram and link, and it was just like a tweet, like characters. Would, would you say that actually if people look at LinkedIn and go, okay, great, that's maybe people within businesses and, you know, brand building. But actually, Twitter is where perhaps media could sit and hang out. Would would that be fair to say that?
1: Absolutely. I communicate, I mean, I have, um, uh, I communicate a lot with, uh, on Twitter with journalists. And as well, if we publish media releases for clients, we we post them on Twitter and tag um, the, the, the journalists. Um, a lot of journalists communicate on Twitter. I mean, it's, I'm a big fan of Twitter since years. Um, so, yeah, but let's see how mm-hmm. it's. How it's going to be?
0: Huh? Well, quite. <laughs> it's freedom freedom of speech platform. It might become a little bit of a wild west type, but, but we'll That's we'll true. see. I mean, he hopefully he'll he'll do good things. Just to finish off, uh, Brigitte, I guess people, from my experience, are, are quite frightened of PR and and this whole like off the record. You know, if you say something, how's it going to be misconstrued? How's it going to be twisted? And I think some people are literally thinking, well, I'd rather not do it because I'm frightened of it. I mean, what? What is, I guess, the biggest, for, for the benefit of, of any entrepreneurs listening, what's the biggest mistake that, that that you can make in the world of PR so they're aware of, OK, if I've not done that, that actually I'm doing OK? They
1: want to do uh, PR work by themselves and sometimes they they try that and they already destroy a relationship with a journalist from the very beginning because they push too much and then the journalists don't listen anymore. Even if they, for example, agree to write about you, and then suddenly something came up, and uh, something more important came up, and then you are angry with them, and you get back to them, you didn't write about it. So it's all about it's a relationship, um, and 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 it, you need you must work with journalists on a very, I mean, a, on a respectful, professional way, not too many emotions, and except, I mean, they are flooded with news and media. He says every day, I have a lot of friend journalists and they, they they show me once how many emails they get and they cannot go through that, but they have to deliver. And there are sometimes more important messages than your own company's um, message. So yeah, be authentic, know your audience and be respectful with, in communication with journalists. That, that would be my advice. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. No, thank you. And I have, um, I've really enjoyed this episode. I've learned quite a lot actually, and I will uh, certainly be imparting it. And I I believe that, that any entrepreneur listening to this hopefully has gone, no, actually it's not such a scary thing. And actually I can you know take this uh one step at a time rather than i've got i've launched the business and i just i want loads of pr actually it is it's a stage process i think that you know what's come out of this is relationship management with social media playing a role uh, and you know content generation but thank you brigitte for your time i've really enjoyed speaking to you today i enjoyed
1: as well it was a real pleasure thank you you're very
0: (laughs) welcome and listeners hope you enjoyed that please remember to rate review and subscribe